What's going on, people? It's your boy, Kelechi, back with another episode of the Ramblin' Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all are doing good. I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope y'all are are able to meet all your needs and are able to meet everything that you need. I hope, I pray, uh, this coronavirus situation is something that is so real. Okay, excuse me for one second. Something is going on with my mic right now. Like, for some reason, the way that it's recording is not recording like the normal stuff. Like, hopefully this turns out perfect, as it usually does, but something is up with my recording setup today but that's a lot of stuff that you guys don't care about because all you're here is to hear me talk about different things but anyway i hope y'all are doing good i'm doing good except for the fact that they're starting to open the state back up the state in which i live in and i don't know i'm perplexed about it because on one side i can see why they're doing it on the other side i can see many more reasons not to do it and then on my side i just i just kind of want one more month of having to just stay at home and work from home and not be at the office i just i kind of like being home i don't know i kind of like staying and working from home i kind of like having the ultimate excuse of being like if someone's like yo man do you want to go do this i kind of like the ultimate excuse of just being like nah dog we got this whole corona thing going on so uh i'm just gonna kick it at home i just i just kind of like it i like it this is like for me this is like just life i like it the only thing i don't like about it is because i can't play soccer but apart from that it's like i like kind of staying home i like kind of not having to interact with people that much i'm just saying i'm just saying i would really really love if we could just kind of keep this going for just another month but then again that's a selfish desire because there's a whole lot of people who do need to go back out and for their jobs and all that kind of stuff so it's important that we find a way to not rush to open back too early but also open back early so people don't um completely lose all their livelihood but anyway i hope y'all are doing good i hope y'all are doing great i've said that too many times but I tend to repeat myself, but today what we're going to be talking about is a few things when it comes to investing and a tip that I'm going to give to everybody because I've kind of been reading a little bit recently and the number one tip is just don't be too smart when it comes to investing, but we'll get into that in a little bit. First of all, let's start, let's start with my portfolio and give you guys a quick update of my portfolio as far as M1 Finance goes and Robinhood goes. So. The only big difference as far as M1 Finance goes is I made a little bit of a change in the consumer products division and we can go into activity to see the change. I made the change of selling out of Lowe's, not because it's a bad company or anything like that, just because for me, I just didn't feel like I was, I was, uh, I just don't want Lowe's. Let me just put it that way. Initially, when I had gotten them, it was because people were hyping it up. And this is why you have to do your own study to know what what companies you should invest in and which companies you're more likely to want in your portfolio. And Lowe's was just one of those companies that I just heard a lot of good things about. And I was like, I don't want to miss out. That's another thing. Fear of missing out. Don't do that when you invest. But we'll talk about that later. But 
So I sold out of lows and I was like, I don't really pay attention too much to lows. It's more outside of my periphery than within my periphery. So therefore I sold out of it and that money got spent in my other three companies within that pot. This is one thing that I do love about M1 Finance. The fact that you're able to do these, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The fact that you're able to make, uh, uh, I'm looking for a word that just can't come to my mind right now partial investments the fact that you're able to do uh partial companies where you're able to do uh, i'm looking i'm trying to think of the word what's the word that i'm looking for i'm going into this one because it should tell me what the word i'm looking for give me one second yeah fractional shares that's the word i was looking for the fact that you're able to buy fractional shares of companies is one thing that i love at m1 finance because then i'm able to build my portfolio from a smaller uh, small standpoint as you guys know it started off with a hundred dollars that I started building out this portfolio. If we go back to overall, and I've put more money into it. I mean, I've only gained overall. I've only gained five dollars. But the point, the point of this whole investment strategy is just where it's consistent, and we'll talk about that in the future. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But it's consistent where I can always just put money into it, and it will always buy the companies that I have selected in this portfolio. Like I said, I think it was last week where I said I wish I had reduced the amount of companies that I wanted to be exposed to. Um, I might actually sell out IBM as well, but, um, where I feel like I should have reduced the amount of companies that I'm exposed to, uh, where I should have maybe had 20, uh, less than 10 companies total so that my money can go far faster and I can get some of those dividends back faster. That's one thing that I do regret with this portfolio. And it's something that I'm going to correct moving forward. So that's why one of the things I did was sell out of, um, was sell out of Lowe's and it's very likely that I'm going to sell out of IBM here in the future not because ibm is a bad company it's just not a company that i think i want to be exposed to healthcare there's only two companies in there and i'm a little bit too much too exposed to healthcare i really only want seven percent of my healthcare of my portfolio to be in healthcare so right now it's very very highly weighted and then of course consumer products that's going to be the most the biggest part of my portfolio in the sense not in the sense of money being put into it but in the sense of the number of companies that is probably going to be in it right now it's just going to be coca-cola disney costco and walmart for the foreseeable future i might make changes in there later on and then finally finance financial this is probably not going to change too much maybe i sell out of bank of america but visa and jp morgan are ones that i really really trust a lot um apart from that that's basically it as far as the m1 finance part of my portfolio next week when we do another one it's likely that this is going to look very not very different but slightly different with more money being put in there and i'm gonna i'm gonna focus more on putting the like i said every two weeks i'm gonna be putting 40 dollars into this account which is not a whole lot but when you do the math 80 dollars times 12 that's 960 dollars in a year that's and this is how you have to think about when you're building a portfolio or when you're investing don't think about just like oh it's just five dollars what can five dollars do for me but five dollars over the period of an entire year can make a huge difference that's how you save money as well it's literally putting little little bits of money to the side and then before you know it you have a thousand dollars in your bank account and you're like i didn't even do anything and that's the way you have to do these things but anyway the next thing i'm gonna be like i said next week when i get uh put another forty dollars into this it's going to be focused on the consumer products division where I want to buy more into the consumer products and kind of increase my uh, weight on that because it is 
not so highly weighted. But the cool thing about M1 Finance is if I wasn't doing this manually, I could literally just do an auto invest and it would always, every time I put money into it, every time I deposit money into this account, it will automatically just try to balance out all of my, all of my uh, portfolios. So that's that. Moving on from there, let's talk about my Robinhood portfolio. Let's go to the start. So for Robinhood, we'll go all time because I, that's the way I like to view the portfolio. I don't really care about one day stats. Uh, I've been doing decently overall. Let's get out of this. I want this thing to show. Yeah, overall, I, all time, it says I've made 50 bucks. So that's pretty good. But at the same time, it doesn't matter. This number is a fictitious and fictional number because as somebody once told me, you, whatever you have is only worth what it is until you when you sell it so in other words this can be six hundred dollars but if I go to sell it and the price drops to like 500 it means that it was only worth 500 so this number right here is very fictitious so you, that's why I don't pay attention too much to that number and I'll talk about that more when we go into the topic of the day but yeah this number is very fictitious is very much like oh, okay that's whatever that they say it's worth right now what's more important is the businesses that I selected to be in here so one of the things that I did this week as far as this portfolio is concerned is as you guys know I've been talking about for Robinhood I'm gonna be focusing a lot on ETFs because Robinhood until I get access to the fractional shares and being able to do my dividend reinvestment plan on Robinhood I can't really do how I can't really select specific companies on Robinhood the way I want to select them and the way I can buy like fractional shares within companies where in M1 finance I can buy fractional shares that's why in M1 finance is gonna be mostly focused on individual companies in there but anyway in Robinhood for me I'm strictly moving on into like I said into ETFs and the main reason for ETFs is ETFs is a way of doing fractional shares because ETFs can have multiple companies within one company, uh, within one stock that you buy. So the one I've, like I said in the past, I bought a bunch of SCHD and now I'm going to be buying, I'm going to buy DGRW. And the reason I'm buying DGRW is because of the growth potential that it has and also the fact that it still pays dividends. So this has about 800 companies within it. I like a lot of the companies that's within it. As a tech head, I'm biased towards tech companies, which is not good because it's not good to be super exposed to just tech firms. If you look at my M1 Finance, a big portion of my, I'm gonna tell you this right now, a large portion of my, of my money is gonna go to technology just because I'm a tech head and I like tech firms and I know a lot more about tech companies than I do about any other point uh, any other company however to force myself and limit myself to not be too exposed to it that's where m1 comes in to remove myself and let it automate because part of the problem when it comes to investing which we'll talk about here in a short while is we get in our own way of making progress so that's why I said like different limits on myself when it comes to this thing so that the computer system does a lot of the work and every once in a while I'll come in but right now I'm just starting off $200 is not that whole bunch to manage um, when I start getting up there in the amount and even not even necessarily getting up there in the amount but as I get more and more into where I like feel comfortable I'll start letting M1 just do its ten, do its thing not 10 do its thing and just balance out my portfolio to make it look like it's supposed to look. <sighs> I can't wait to get on it. Look at this. I'm two million four hundred, two million four hundred ninety-seven thousand one hundred fifty-five position in line to get fractional shares. 
This is one thing I hate about Robin Hood. Like, Robin Hood, please just release this thing. Just release this thing so people can actually use this. But however, it says that the way that I can move faster up in line is if other people sign up through my referral link. And also, if you want a free a free stock and if you haven't signed up for Robin Hood in the past, click the link down in the description. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. Everybody's happy. Well, most people are happy and you can start, you know, your investment journey, which I would advise you if you're starting an investment journey, do not try to put too much money into this thing at the most $50 and buy like an ETF. And we'll talk about that here in a second about some of the things when it comes to investing. And then also... The other thing is if you also want to start with M1 Finance, there is a link down there in the description or in the show notes, whichever one you're listening to this on, where I talk, uh, where you can get $10 for opening a M1 Finance account. So that's pretty cool. Um, and you can do those two things. But anyway, enough about the portfolio. Let's get right into talking about the topic for today. And like, as you guys know, at this point in time, we use... Wait, wait, why can't I go into full screen? Where's the thing? I'm looking for a slideshow. There we go. From the beginning, we use PowerPoint because PowerPoint is, is the only way that I could figure out how to present these things in a beautiful manner. So anyway, so let's get right into the topic. Today, we're talking about investing one-on-one. The biggest thing about investing is don't be too smart. Don't be too smart. And the reason why I'm talking about this is one of the things that impede, impedes us in making progress when it comes to investing when it comes to money, when it comes to saving, is we get in our own way. I've talked about this multiple, multiple times, is when it comes to these things, we usually end up either trying to outsmart ourselves, trying to do something that's just like, that feels like, oh, this has to be the move, and we just end up just messing everything up. So today we're gonna be talking about the one of the biggest things in investing is don't be smart, be foolish. Uh, there's a program out there called Motley Fool, which I use them from time to time. Uh, they're literally, it's when it comes to investing is be foolish, be the opposite of what the market is basically. But anyway, let's get right into it. And this basically comes from the idea. I was reading an article. Really, I wasn't reading the article. I heard about the article and I went to go find it. And it's the fact that a study was done and it was like any market can beat them. Uh, any monkey can beat the market. So and you're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. You have to be smart and all this stuff to invest. This is just going to disprove the theory that in order to invest, you have to be so smart. No, in order to invest, you just need to have a little bit of uh, a little bit of money on the side. That is your um, what's the what's the, your discretionary fund? Like you're not necessary to use for something fun. But anyway, so. It started in 1973 when a Princeton University professor, Burton Malkiel, claimed in his best-selling book, A Random Walk Down Wall Street, that a blindfolded monkey throwing darts at a newspaper financial page could select a portfolio that would do just as well as one carefully selected by experts. And you're like, mm, that's not possible. That's a lie. This is a joke. But of course, because I'm presenting it to you, you already know that this thing was very possible. Well, the thing was, Markel was wrong, stated Rob Arnott, CEO of Research uh, Affiliates, while speaking at the IMN Global Indexing and ETF Conference earlier this month. Uh, this article was written in 2012. The monkeys have done a much better job than the experts and the stock market. And you're like, what? What, what do you mean the monkeys did better than the stock market? That doesn't make sense. 
The monkeys didn't know what they were doing. They were literally just throwing darts at a board. Anyway, in, it continues and it says, in their yet to be published article, the companies randomly selected 100 portfolio containing 30 stocks from 1000 stock universe. They repeated this process every year from 1964 to 2010 and tracked the results. The process replicated 100 monkeys throwing darts at the stock pages every year. Amazingly, on average, 98 of the 100 monkey portfolios beat the 1000 stock capitalization weighted stock universe each year. Like, think about that. The 1000 uh, companies that the monkeys selected beat out professional investors, people who look at all the numbers, who look at everything. Monkeys just selecting random companies beat out those investors. And so you're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Like that, 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 and for me, it didn't make any sense. So they broke it down. The idea is it that you should go out there and start buying some golden monkeys to help you select your portfolio and to help you select companies to invest in. No, that's not, that's not what this is about. The idea is that from 1964 to 2011, the return for the 1,000 stocks used by the research affiliates was 9.7%. The 30 largest companies in the 1,000 made up about 40% of the capitalization weight, but their return was only 8.6% annually. The other 970 stocks made up 60% of the capitalization weight, and their return was 10.5% annually. That is a 0.8% per annum uh, premium return for the smaller stocks over the 1000 stock universe and a 1.9% premium return over the larger stocks. Basically, all this is saying is when you diversify yourself really, really well, like it's a thousand companies you're being selected. There is more room for growth for smaller companies than there is room for growth for really large companies. Like at some point you start hitting a ceiling, like when it comes to companies, at some point, they can't just keep growing, uh, going up and up and up. Think of a company like IBM. IBM started hitting a ceiling and started coming up, coming the other way. There was a reverse to the whole thing. There was a in, there was an inverse to how IBM has been going recently. Now it doesn't mean that they can't come back up, but it means that there's something that you won't just see the amount of growth that you can see from smaller corporations. But the point is, if a monkey can select a thousand companies. A thousand random companies and do well with a 10% return in their portfolio, then you and I have a much, be- much better shot. And I've been reading this book by Benjamin Graham. If you don't know who Benjamin Graham is, he's literally like, basically, Warren Buffett says like he's the best investor he ever knew, mainly because Warren Buffett worked for him. And then look at who we look at for all our investing advice, at least one of the people that I look at a lot for a lot of investing advice is Warren Buffett because he's kind of like the sage of our age. When he talks, we listen. Everything he says, we listen to it. And so he said that Benjamin Graham, who wrote this book called The Intelligent Investor, was one of the most intelligent people when it comes to investing. And a lot of the the theories that he uses on a day-to-day basis, he learned from Benjamin, Benjamin Graham book. One of the quotes that he said from his book was this, if you merely try to bring just a little extra knowledge and cleverness to bear upon your investment program, instead of realizing a little better than normal results, you may well find that you have done worse, end quote. He said, 
if you bring just a little extra knowledge and cleverness, if you try to be clever when you're investing, if you try to look at graphs and do all this fancy, fancy stuff that people like to talk about, you try to do all this stuff, what you end up finding out is a lot of times you have worse returns than if you were just kind of on the sidelines. So when it comes to investing, it is a whole lot less about being the smartest guy in the room and a lot more about being the dumb, being just a bystander. So I have three main tips of things that you can do to not outsmart yourself when it comes to investing. Tip number one, buy ETFs. Think back to the comp- Think back to the monkeys. Those monkeys selected what? A thousand companies. And the reason that they outdid the professional stock managers, they did, they outsmarted them was simply because they were so diversified that they had so many small companies, like the largest sum of the portfolio was made up of 970 smaller companies that had more growth potential. But then on the other side, they had the backing of 40% of the entire portfolio was of larger companies that would help them make sure that if these small companies are suffering, these larger companies will be able to help the portfolio. So they were so diversified in different industries, in different companies that it just made, it made it make sense. And it made things just, they didn't see the high highs. I talk about this a lot. They didn't see the high highs of any one company and they didn't see the low lows of any one company. They were able to survive through difficult times, through anything where the, the those monkey selectors just kept on doing well. And the easiest way for you to do this is to buy ETFs. A lot of ETFs have multiple companies within it. There's the Vanguard VOO uh, ETF that has over 500 companies within it. There are ETFs that are focused to to do what the uh, S&P 500 does on a daily basis. Buy ETFs. Do not try to be so fancy with, oh, you know what? I want to buy one company. I want to buy Tesla. A share of Tesla, which Personally, I think Tesla is overvalued at this point in time, but that's another topic for another day. But shares of Tesla is almost $700. If you're using Robinhood, you cannot afford it. Unless you're just, you just have a bunch of money that you have just sitting around. And other thing, don't take out loans. Don't use loans to invest. Your money that you use to invest is supposed to be extra money that you have on the side, not important money that you just borrowed for something else. Please don't do that. But anyway, do not... Like it's so much more important to buy into ETFs than it is to try and outsmart and do all the hard work and do all this research and stress and do all this stuff just to select companies. Now, I say that knowing that I have an M1 portfolio that is focused on having multiple different companies. But however, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. That account, I'm trying to see like, mm, what like let me play around a little bit it's more of a fun thing that i'm it's more of a fun experiment that i'm trying to do with that account if it goes well wonderful but i will get to the point where i'm invested in over 40 to 50 companies at the very minimum i believe that if you're going to select companies if you're going to select companies on your own you should at least have and if you have a large sum of money like i said i'm just starting out you should at least have 20 companies where you're diversified in different industries So just, but at the end of the day, just buy ETFs, 
make your life easy just buy etfs there are some of us who are who like investing who like reading about businesses who like reading about listening to shareholders reports listening to earnings reports all that kind of stuff i like doing that but most of y'all don't most of y'all don't want to do that most of y'all don't want to do any of that stuff and so the only way to do to 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 still be able to make some money in the future is just buy ETFs. ETFs are your best bet. And there are so many different types of ETFs. You have ETFs that are focused on indexes. When I say indexes, I'm talking about the S&P 500, the Dow Jones, the Nasdaq that just basically follow the market and do as well as the market does. Do not try to outsmart the market. Most of the time when you try to outsmart the market, you end up losing money. That's just the facts of it. So buy ETFs, save yourselves that headache and just buy ETFs. They're like your best bet when it comes to investing, especially for those who don't want to spend the time reading. I, you'll still do your research about what ETF to buy, but if you don't want to spend the time reading about very specific companies, digging into their financials, learning about all this stuff, just buy an ETF and keep it moving, man. Just keep it moving. Second important advice having a financial advisor the main reason that you have a financial advisor is so that they help you get out of your own way so that they get that you don't have to sit there and you always doing stuff and messing yourself up it's basically so you have somebody else who is kind of looking over your finances and thinking about all the other implications like tax implications inflation implications the stuff that you and i barely think about like we who, who sits at home thinking about ah oh man in order for me to build my portfolio to a level where inflation if inflation is going up at about one percent every year then i need to build my portfolio to the level where it's at least making eight percent so that i'm making an adjusted rate of seven percent and then if my tax bracket changes and i have to have all this income coming in all of a sudden because of my investments doing so well how do i negate the losses with my tax bracket so that i don't have to pay as much back and like you don't think about that you don't think about that. I don't think about that. That's where a financial advisor comes in. Now, I will say that you get a financial advisor when you get to the point where your finances are very hard to manage by yourself, where you have so much stuff, where your equity is so big that it's like, man, doing this by myself kind of doesn't make that much sense. However, I would still advise you be careful about the fees with financial advisors be very careful about the fees with financial advisors because some financial advisors literally all they want is to sign you up and get you paying that recurring fee on whatever investment portfolio you have with them but some of them also want to help you in other words they want to teach you they want to show you the ropes they want you to learn as you're going and that's important when it comes to financial advisor now i know earlier on we talked about the monkeys but the thing with financial advisors is they can help you in other ways not just in selecting stocks like i said earlier it's the tax things it's the inflation things all those kind of things where you can pick your stocks but there's other parts of your life that you you may not think about all the time but they are always thinking about and there's just, there are times in life when you get to the level of starting to need that financial advice where you where you just have more to lose if you don't uh, get that financial advice. Think about it this way. It's like, if you are, if you wanna learn something, right? There are certain things that you can learn on the internet. Let's say you want to be a coder, for example. There are certain things that you can just find different services online and you can start learning. I mean, you have master classes, you have, um, 
there's another one there's different different ways that you can learn things online YouTube is a great teacher all these different platforms that you can learn how to do different things online but there comes a point where in order for you to go to the next level sometimes you need somebody else to guide you and help you through that goal for example think of athletes for example athletes when they're playing in a sport like they don't just work out by themselves all the time they get professional workout people to come aid them along the journeys like one of the biggest things think about michael jordan we're all watching the michael jordan last dance uh documentary right now on espn think about michael jordan one of the biggest things that aided michael jordan was his personal coach his trainer that guy completely changed the way that he played the game or think about kobe bryant rest his soul that was another thing. His personal trainer was the thing that helped him get to the level that he needed to be. Yes, he had the drive, but at the same time, he needed somebody who could look at him from the outside and say, hey, this is what you can do with your game. Hey, do this with your game. Hey, don't just try to do this all the time. Do it this way, this way, and this way. That's why it's important to have that kind of financial coach that just kind of helps you along the journey to make it better. Now, at the same time, like I said earlier, the fees are important. It's not just this thing doesn't come free. When you bring somebody else to start helping you with something, it's going to cost you something. And at the same time, you got to be careful about who you select. The most important thing when it comes to anything like this is, are they going to help you? Are they going to actually try to teach you rather than just take your money and start doing whatever? Are they going to like, are they going to give you some kind of personal responsibility aspect to help you through the journey? And then finally, the last thing is to use a technique if you're doing this by yourself, which a lot of us will be doing this by ourselves at the beginning, is to use a, de- a technique called dollar cost averaging. And so basically the technique is where instead of buying everything at one time, let's say you have money, let's like for example, you have a picture here on the screen if you're watching on YouTube, let's say you have like $6,000 in hand and you're like, I want to invest this $6,000. Instead of you investing that $6,000 all at one time, you spread out investing that $6,000 over a longer period of time. So for example, let's say you have $6,000 and you want to buy a share that is about $10. Let's say there's an ETF you want to buy and it's $10 to one share of that ETF. So rather than you buying 600 shares at $10, what you can do is you spend $1,000 over six months. So the first $1,000, you get 100 shares. The second one, let's say the market keeps fluctuating because market will fluctuate. The market goes up. You The next $1,000, you only get 77 shares. And you keep going like that. And then the market drops and you get some more shares. Let's say the market drops and you spend another $1,000 in the next month. You get 167 shares. And then the market increases again. Then your $1,000 turns to 91 shares. The market increases again or drops again your... Uh, your $1,000 turns to $143 and then your final leftover $1,000 at the very end turns into another 100 shares at the end. You average out, instead of you just getting 600 shares for that $10 price, you average out and end up with 678 shares for a price of $8.85. Basically, the idea is you want to reduce your cost as much as possible over a longer period of time. So that you don't see the high highs when everybody is just going crazy and buying at one time. 
Rather, you see an extended period of time where you're able to invest your money over and over again, reoccurring investment. If you if you contribute to a 401k, if you contribute to an IRA, this is basically what you do all the time. And that's why it's that's why it's important to have automatic deposits when it comes to investing so that you can always be buying those things. This is why I love M1 Finance and why I don't like Robinhood that much because it doesn't give me the flexibility to just deposit money and buy shares regularly fractional shares more importantly regularly over a period of time it just doesn't give you that uh flexibility with the whole thing dollar cost averaging is one of the best tools that you can do in order for you not to see any of the major highs of the market but rather you can extend the period of time you're investing and also see different rates of highs and lows and even more so you can get more returns as you continue to invest so that's why you do dollar cost average and i hope i explained that properly to everybody it's one of the key tools when it comes to investing and i just started learning about it and i'm like dang that makes so much sense because if i was starting i was like man i could have done this over a longer period of time rather than just investing all at one time it definitely helps for you not to see and you end up always coming out paying less for the same shares that other people paid more and you end up with more shares which is just the dopest thing that you can do but in conclusion i have one more quote for everybody investing and this was also from the uh intelligent investor with the guy who does all the commentary within it because that book was written in 1964 and so it's been updated with in 2002 the, the edition that i'm reading but anyway jason zwig says or i'm he this is actually quote unquote but i'm reformatting what he said he said investing is less about being right about the next big thing quote unquote the next big thing and more about protecting yourself from the irrationalities of the market because at the end of the day you cannot predict how the market is going to be and as we talked about last week the two most important rules about investing rule number one don't lose money and rule number two don't break new rule number one and so everything you do when it comes to investing is to protect yourself from all the crazy stuff that's going on in the market because like i said earlier if we exit here real quick like i said earlier this number that you're given up here this your portfolio amount number is fictitious is based on rumors, is based on how people feel about the company at, at the time. I use this example a lot when I talk about like Snapchat. What killed Snapchat? A tweet from Kylie Jenner. Literally a tweet from Kylie Jenner dropped them, lost them a billion, over a hundred million dollars or something like that. One person. And so that's why when it comes to investing, it is less about you being right about that one company that's going to be the biggest company and that's going to change your life forever no it is more about you protecting yourself from the foolish from the ridiculousness and the stupidity that the market is i mean think about it we keep on hearing high unemployment rates and yet the market it keeps going up think about that it doesn't make sense stock market doesn't make sense and so you have to protect yourself and the main thing you want to protect is your principle you have to protect yourself from the uncertainties that will come when you come in, when it comes to investing. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all today. I hope y'all enjoyed it. I hope y'all learned a thing or two. Let's go back and talk about the three tips real quick. Tip number one, 
buy ETFs, it makes all the difference when it comes to your investing. It is easier to just follow the market than it is for you to beat the market. Tip number two, having a financial advisor when you get to a specific point in your lifetime can be one of the best things for yourself because then they can look at other assets or other aspects of investment that we don't think about and they can give you a holistic view of your entire portfolio when it comes to you, your family, all that stuff. They can look at that big picture and help you in that thing in, in through that process. And number three, use dollar cost averaging. Rather than buying everything all at one time, spread it out over a period of time so you can see all the fluctuations of the market and you don't see any of the super losses of the market. As a long-term investors, what we want to focus on more than anything else is to buy low. We always want to buy low because that's how we gain more. Just think about it. When we go shopping for any other thing, we want to buy the cheapest thing we can get possibly get with the best value. Why don't we do the same thing with the stock market? The stock market, investors use a reverse principle. Instead of buying when things are fluctuating and the company is still doing good, we end up buying when things are going up. So it's just things to think about. Think about that. And so, But that's about it. I hope y'all learned a thing or two. I would really suggest everybody read this book, The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. It's a very, very good read. It's a very good read. You can get a lot out of it. You can get a whole lot out of it. I will be referencing this book a lot when I'm talking about tips of how to invest because it's some of the things that I'm learning as I'm going and you guys can follow me and learn along with me. But anyway, it's been your boy, Kelechi. I hope you learned one, two, or three things from this entire podcast. Check me back every Tuesday and every Thursday. We'll be dropping new episodes. Thursdays, we focus on the news. Tuesdays, we focus on how you can better yourself, not just with investing, but also your whole financial picture. How do you make yourself better financially? Not just so you can be rich, but so you can help other people around you. Remember, that is the most important thing. It's not just for you to succeed, but it's to help as many people as you as you can along your journey. But anyways, being your boy, I'm gonna hit y'all up on the next one next time. See y'all on Tuesday. God bless each and every single one of y'all. And wash your dang on out hands. Peace.